Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. Well, traditionally, during the second week of the season of Advent, what we're now in, Christians will light the candle of peace, reminding us that Jesus, the one for whom we are waiting and watching and preparing our hearts, is the Prince of Peace. Truly, at the heart of Christmas is peace. Understanding, of course, that peace is more than simply the absence of conflict. It's much, much more. Continuing our series of messages for the Advent season and based on Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11, here's today's message, which is entitled, At the Heart of Christmas is Peace. Well, as it is for most of us, I suppose, for me, the Christmas season has always lent itself to a great deal of, of nostalgia. And also, as you might imagine, with my mother's passing this year, this particular Christmas, I have been remembering in pretty vivid detail, I must say, all sorts of Christmas times from when I was very, very young. And a lot of those memories are the kind of things that you would expect, family gatherings and getting up on Christmas morning. But interestingly enough, uh, lately I've been thinking a lot about Christmas cards. Christmas cards. You know, back in those days, uh, the sending of Christmas cards was, was real honestly a much bigger deal than it is, sadly it has become today. Back then, and a lot of you will remember this too, there would be literally dozens of cards that would come in the mail every single day leading up to the holiday from family members and, and friends and neighbors and, and, and local businesses and, and people you don't really know but who wanted to reach out to you in, in that season. And I remember waiting for the mail with great excitement every day and as a kid, sitting with my mother and pouring, opening up and pouring over each and every one of them. I was fascinated by the beautiful artwork on the outside of these cards and the sentiment within. In fact, I'm here to confess something to you today. It is no exaggeration to say that so much of my ongoing affection for holiday magic and wonder was fueled, really by what was depicted on those cards. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Santa and eight tiny little reindeer riding across a starlit sky. Maybe one little reindeer with a red nose, who knows? Happy little elves packing his sleigh, jolly snowmen tipping their top hats to, to another couple in love walking in a winter wonderland. Oh, I loved all of that. But I also got to tell you something that those Christmas cards also helped me in some ways for the first time to truly envision the birth of Jesus in the manger. Of course, it was a, a, a certain point of view that was given to me because whatever else we understand or know about the climate and the terrain of first century Bethlehem, as far as I'm concerned, the stable is always going to be warm and cozy it's going to be well lit. The animals will be well groomed and always friendly. They talk out loud whenever you ask them something. <laughs> and though it's not in the Bible, 
there very often is a little drummer boy in the back. Honestly, though, that opened up a whole new understanding of Christmas for me. And I have to tell you, too, that I think the pictures that drew me in the most were those of the so-called peaceable kingdom in Isaiah chapter 11. You know the verses. They weren't our text today, but you know them. The ones where the wolf shall lie down with the lamb, the, the calf and the lion will feed together, and, of course, that a little child will lead them. I mean, I love those pictures, friends. They showed me everything I needed to know about the world as God intends it to be. This, I discovered in those pictures, is what the baby Jesus being born into the world was all about. And I knew, even as a little kid, friends, that just as that holy infant could lay there serenely in the manger and sleep in heavenly peace, so it would be for the world. So it would be for me. Of course, as an adult, you come to realize all too soon that the kind of peace that we see depicted on Christmas cards, it stands in sharp contrast with the world as we know it in the here and now. To begin with, as far as the peaceable kingdom is concerned, as we understand nature's way, Predators and prey generally do not coexist all that well. When the lion and the lamb lay down together, it's usually the lion having the lamb for lunch. <laughs> and tragically, given everything that's going on in the world these days, it's hard not to echo Longfellow's verse about how hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Moreover, for so many of us this time of year, there is, is there not this overwhelming sense of sadness and grief, anger, even fear that, that, that cannot help but cast a pall on any feeling of Christmas spirit. Truly, the dream of peace on earth is an elusive one. You know, oftentimes, we'd settle for at least some peace of heart some peace of mind. But even that kind of peace, that, that peace that we envision for ourselves, the kind of peace that lay in the heart of how we envision Christmas itself, ultimately, well, as an adults anyway, it kind of seems beyond our grasp. And yet, and yet, every year, and to quote Craig Barnes here, Every year Christmas comes along. And every year something from our souls comes alive in us. Before long, Barnes writes, we will find ourselves singing about angels proclaiming glory to God and peace on earth. And we will again get caught up in the cherished story of, about an unassuming couple who couldn't even find a place to spend the night but giving birth to the Savior of the world. Somewhere along the way, Craig Barnes concludes, the dream about beholding a quiet miracle will return in our hearts. And the hope for peace and goodwill will become very real for us all over again. 
It is a season of Advent. We are waiting for Christmas to come. And we know that at the heart of Christmas is peace. But you see, the question for us today is, how is that peace going to become real for us in this world and in times such as these? When will the peace that's at the heart of Christmas dwell in our hearts? Actually, you know what? I think this is why, though, I will always have a great affection for Isaiah's vision of that peaceable kingdom, especially on a Christmas card. It does seem that the older I get, the more I am appreciating another vision from Isaiah, the one that we just heard in our text for this morning. The words that begin with comfort. Oh, comfort my people Israel says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Because, Isaiah says, the Lord God comes with might, and like a shepherd he will care for his flock, gathering the lambs in his arms, hugging them as he carries them. Now this is a Beautiful. And yes, it's a very comforting piece of Scripture. It is one of the great assurances that we are given in the Old Testament that God's promised Messiah will come. It's, it's a piece of Scripture that I would say to you is filled to overflowing with hope and with promise. But that said, as Chris was reading that peace to us earlier. Did you happen to notice just how incredibly, well, fatalistic this particular passage is? For you see, friends, in between all this talk of comforting and, and the image of the Lord feeding his flock like a, like a shepherd, hugging them, carrying them in his arms, in the middle of all that, there's this whole section of this chapter that talks about Hear these words again, that the people are grass. Grass that ultimately withers and dies. As the message translates this, and understand, this is the word of the Lord, friends, albeit a bit paraphrased. It says, we are people whose love is as fragile as wildflowers. If God so much as puffs on them... Aren't these people just so much grass? Now I ask you, wouldn't you love to see that quoted on a Christmas card? Of course, it would have to include the added greeting with blessings for a new year. But seriously, really, this is one of the reasons I have come to really love this passage. Because in life we discover that so much of what we cling to in this world uh, for the sake of our own well-being and security, things like our money, our, our power, our place in society, as well as that which we envision for ourselves, well, they can easily crumble beneath our feet. Ultimately, these things fade away, and we can wither and fade away right along with it. And so it is with this idea of 
of peace as merely an absence of conflict that is ultimately tenuous at best. A temporary ceasefire for a momentary truth that we have seen again and again throughout the history and sadly right about now can be taken away at a moment's notice. What Isaiah reminds us in this text is that the so-called constancy of the flesh is at best fragile. This all seems dark, more than a little foreboding, I know. But this is what makes it all the more amazing and all the more good news that this promise we have, that the word of our God will stand forever, means that every mountain and hill will be made low and every rough place will become a plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Yes, my friends, at the heart of Christmas is peace. But not a warm and fuzzy kind of peace. Not a holiday season kind of peace. Not even a cow and a bear grazing together kind of peace. What we're talking about here is real peace. Deep peace. The kind of peace that the God of all creation, the God of the universe, brings to a battered and bruised world. The kind of peace that represents more than simply the absence of war and worldly strife, but also is peace in the sense of our wholeness, our harmony, and our fulfillment. You see, what we're talking about here, this peace that lay at the very heart of Christmas, is Shalom. Shalom. Now you folks have heard me speak of this any number of times, particularly on those days that we pray together for peace. Because the peace that we envision, the peace that we seek, the peace that we truly need in this world is shalom. Shalom, if you don't know, is in fact the Hebrew word that Isaiah uses for peace. And it's a word, it is a word that we understand to mean the whole peace of God, literally. It means to bind together the fragments of life into a meaningful whole. Actually, you know, when I think about it, the image that comes to mind is that of a braided rag rug. You remember these? Maybe you have one of these. These are rugs that have been literally woven and braided together with old and ragged bits and pieces of cloth, taking on, well, and this is what's fascinating about it, take, it takes on that which individually means nothing, stuff that holds no strength, stuff that can be tossed away, but when it's bound together, can be something of great beauty and purpose and strength and warmth and comfort. You see, God's peace, God's shalom is very much like that in which the bits and pieces of life's many experiences are woven together into something meaningful and, and, and full of insight and fulfillment. And isn't that true, friends? How so often in and through all the myriad stresses and the conflicts of life, in and through all the stuff that we wish we didn't have to deal with at all, Nonetheless, we find ourselves, sometimes inexplicably, experiencing peace, God's peace. A clarity amidst the murkiness that helps us know which way we have to go. 
to have a sense of God's perfect presence and love as we do so. This is what we mean when we talk about deep peace. A writer by the name of Robert Rush has defined it this way. This is the kind of peace that enables us to experience an inner calm in spite of all the circumstances that would normally cause us stress. It's like, God's shalom is like calm in the eye of the hurricane. It's perfect stillness and peace, heavenly peace, even as all the storms rage all around us. <laughs> I'm reminded here of the story about a woman who called her friend one day just to see how she was doing, just to check in. And her, and her friend said, oh, it's terrible. My head's splitting. My back and my legs, they're killing me. This house is a mess. The kids, they are driving me crazy. Well, the caller was very sympathetic to this and said, listen, you just go and lie down. I'm coming right over. I'm going to cook supper for you. I'm going to clean up the house. I'm going to take care of the children while you get some rest until Sam gets home. There was then a long pause on the other end of the line until finally the voice said, Sam? Yes, the first woman replied. Your husband, Sam. I don't have a husband named Sam. And the first woman suddenly realized, oh no, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry, I must have the wrong number. And then there's another long pause on the line before a hopeful voice asks, you're still coming over though, right? <laughs> That's God's shalom, beloved. This is what God does for us. And this is the promise of peace. Yes, most certainly, peace on earth. But also, and most especially, the peace we need in our heart. The peace that passes all human understanding. The peace that the world can neither give nor take away. The peace that Jesus himself breathed on his disciples in the upper room after the resurrection. The peace that's being built by the God who loves and redeems and renews his people. The peace that is embodied in a tiny, tiny child born in the manger of Bethlehem. The one who is, truly is the Prince of Peace. Our Emmanuel, ever and always God with us. At the heart of Christmas is that kind of peace. Yes, as we speak today, Peace on earth remains an as of yet unfulfilled promise. Likewise, I know that there are many of us who are sitting in these pews today for whom peace in the heart just seems like a distant dream. But here's the good news, friends. The good news is that just as God has fulfilled his promise of a Savior in Jesus, the time will also come when all of our hopes and our longings for, for true peace will be fulfilled on earth and in each of our hearts, yours and mine, there is comfort, true comfort to be found in that, beloved. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, as Advent people waiting for all of this to come to full fruition, 
Let us be the people who are preparing the way of the Lord. Let us be the people who are making the way clear for true peace in the world and deep peace in our hearts. Let there be peace on earth, as the song goes, and let it begin with you and me. Let us prepare the way. And as we do, may our thanks be to God. Amen. And amen. And that's the message entitled, At the Heart of Christmas is Peace. Part of our current sermon series, All About the Heart of Christmas, this was recorded during our December the 10th service of worship at East Congregational Church. By the way, we would like to invite you to join us in person for worship during this Christmas season. We come together every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord, New Hampshire. I would love the chance to welcome you personally, and I know you'll be glad you came. And that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I do thank you for listening today, and, and until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day during this holiday season, and we'll talk to you soon.